Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York, some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, folks. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from the earlier years of the podcast. This week, a story that Jen Bosworth Ramirez first shared on the podcast in August of 2014. Here's Jen now with a story we call Home for the Holidays. Balls, man, that was some serious shit. It's not a fucking joke. Um, so, 2005, and I live in Los Angeles, and it's Christmas time. And here's the thing about Los Angeles at Christmas time, it looks just the fucking same as it does when it's not Christmas there. <laughs> Except in Beverly Hills, they have these idiotic plastic stupid-ass Santas that hang from uh, Wilshire Boulevard. It's a joke. It's pathetic. Um, so anyway, I just say that that sets the tone, I guess. Um, and it's 2005, and I, I'm from Chicago, actually from Evanston, but I, I have moved to Los Angeles to, to be, I can't even say it with a fucking straight face, to become an actor. And... Uh, <laughs> It just sounds so ridiculous. Um, so that's what I did, and I was there, and I got to Los Angeles, and like three days later, I stopped acting. Because the women in Los Angeles don't look like regular people, and um, it, I knew it wasn't gonna work out. So I quit while I was ahead, and um, I got a job at a bookstore, which led to a job working for a movie star. Now that's how shit happens in LA. You're, one day you're like at a bookstore and the next day you work for a movie star. I won't say who he is because I don't want to get sued and I haven't talked to a lawyer. So um, <laughs> suffice it to say he's a strange man and um, I hated myself. I mean, let's just call it like it is. 
I hated my body. I hated my stupid fat face. I hated myself. And I don't know, and this was not good because I was only in my 20s, so I had a ways to go. And if I was starting off this way, it wasn't gonna be good. But that's just the level of self-loathing. And, and Los Angeles just adds to that. It's not helpful in that arena in terms of self-esteem. So I did not like myself, um, understatement. And I hated my job because I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere. I picked up a lot of people's dry cleaning. I picked up a lot of people's dog's shit. I did a lot of dog shit picking up in Los Angeles. And that's, there's no real future in that. I don't know if you guys are considering, <laughs> considering moving to Los Angeles, uh, but dog shit picking up doesn't seem like it's the way to go. My love life was terrible. I had none. I mean, I, I went on dates and they went nowhere or, you know, I did online dating in Los Angeles and I swear, this one guy said to me, the first thing he said to me was, wow, you look a lot bigger than your picture. And I was fucking smart and I said, well, fucking picture's four by six, jackass. <laughs> hilarious needless to say we didn't go out ever again um, but so that's where I was that was my life and so I had this one guy that I met on an airplane and we drank the whole flight and I uh, by the end was in love with him and he looked like of course because if you're drinking on a plane you fall in love really easily <laughs> And he was beautiful and he was tall and he looked like the kind of guy where you know you weren't gonna have to pay his phone bill at the end of the month you know what I mean like that kind of a guy so that was a plus and we met on a plane and we drank and we drank a lot together when we got off the plane so drinking was something that we really liked to do together and I thought this was a good sign um, and he looked like JFK Jr. and he did the New York Times crossword puzzle in pen. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I can't do a fucking word search. So, you know, I can't find flour in the word search. So this was a plus. And he smelled like Old Spice, which had this weird thing of reminding me of my grandpa, which I kind of liked. It was kind of a turn on. That's a different story. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, he did not love me. He said, Jen, I love you, but I don't love you, love you. And they're the same word, right? But it sends such a message. It's a very clear. If someone loves you, but they don't love you, love you, it is time to move on. But I could not. I decided things were pretty bad. Why not go home for the fucking holidays? You know, let's just go full tilt. But really, I say that looking back, but really what I wanted was to go home here to Chicago with normal people that wore normal clothes with elastic pants, you know, and just like their food, the food, you know, the holiday eating pants and just like weird style. I wanted that and I thought my parents were gonna be like, you know, fuck that asshole, you're beautiful. But things don't turn out always like you think they're going to. And I got home and I walked up the stairs in Evanston to my house that I had grown up in and I opened the door and my ma was sitting right there at the dining room table smoking a Benson and Hedges ultralight menthol 100. 
and drinking, you know, red wine, and I knew, oh, this is gonna fucking go down. This is not, <laughs> this is not gonna be, you know, anyway. But what can I do? You can't turn around, nothing to go back to, so why does, might as well just stick it out. So the first thing this lady says to me, my mom, <laughs> is, I'm leaving your father. And I'm like, I'm like, son of a bitch, I can't win. And I just said, oh, I literally had my, you know, crazy puffy jacket that made me look really fat. And I didn't even take that off. She said that before I took any of it off. So I'm like, so then I just do what I did, which was sit down with her in my puffy coat and just start smoking a Benson Edges ultralight menthol too. What else do you do? Now, they never liked each other, my parents. They stayed married for 30 years, but they couldn't fucking stand each other. Well, my mom couldn't stand my father. My dad desperately wanted my mom to love him, and it just, it didn't work. But so she explained to me, rattled on something. She was like half cocked on, you know, Merlot, but she said something about a sleeping bag, my father falling asleep in his chicken wings at dinner one night, and divorce and lazy son of a bitch. Like those were the things I understood that came out of her mouth. And I'm like, okay, all right, Mer Merry Christmas, okay. I can, but I was still, was, I was like, I can handle this. I'm from the fucking Midwest. I'm used to this crazy, you know, home for the holiday shit. I can do it. And I was like, well, I'm going upstairs, Ma. Maybe I'll go to sleep. Merry Christmas. And she said to me, Merry Christmas. I'll see you in the morning unless I shoot myself in the head before that. <laughs> that was my mom. Real Merry Christmas. So I go upstairs, still wearing that fucking coat, I probably, because my mom never turned on the goddamn heat. She was a heat miser, and you would say, Ma, it's cold, and she would say, put on a fucking sweater. That was how we did things in my house. And so I went upstairs, and I went into my parents' room, but before I entered, I heard this noise. Now my dad was six feet eight and a half inches tall, all right? He was a big Swedish dude. And he snored and he had apnea because all big people seem to have apnea. I don't know why that is, it's just the way it is. And so I was used to the snoring, right? But there was like a gurgling, but it was almost like a laugh. It was the strangest sound. And I thought, do I wanna fucking do this? Do I wanna open this door? And I'm like, I've got to, it's my father. I liked my father. My mom was this short, small, tiny, mean Colombian woman. So was my sister. I mean, I'm Colombian too, but she took after my mom. I took after my dad, broad-shouldered, bigger. So we had to stick together, us gentle giants. Um, and so I was like, no, I'm gonna see what's going on and I'm gonna solve it. Maybe they can't take care of me, but I sure as fuck am gonna take care of them. So I, I opened the door and there's a hall light on. So I can see a little bit, and what I see is my father's big, fat, white head on the floor, but nothing else. Like, he's a floating, big, decapitated head. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? What? And I open the door a little more, and my father wakes with a start. He's like, oh, you know, like, and I'm like, dad, dad. And he's like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, call my dad, dude, it's Jenny. I'm, I'm home from Los Angeles. Remember I told you I was called, oh, Jenny. Like he had, 
I had no clue, like I was the long lost prodigal son come home to check on him. I don't know, but he clearly was not expecting me. And I leaned over and I'm like, I could see then what was happening. I opened the door a little more so I could see and my father was on the floor in a ginormous navy blue sleeping bag. <laughs> zipped up to his neck. And my first thought, ladies and gentlemen, was where do you get a fucking big enough sleeping bag to fit this fucking dude? <laughs> like a big and tall camping store or some shit. But I was like, oh, okay, he's in a sleeping bag, that's weird. And I said, dad, and, and my father had gone out, sleep, he was out like a light again, so I'm like, Dad, he's like, oh. I'm like, I'm here. What is, why are you on the floor in a sleeping bag? And he's like, what? I'm like, why are you on the floor? And that's when I noticed his eyeballs, speaking of eyeballs, <laughs> no offense, but his eyeballs were going in different directions. Like, he looked like they were Google eyes. Like, I couldn't quite get a grasp on where his eyeballs were looking. And I said, and I said what, what, what are you doing on the floor? What, what is this? And he said, oh, well, that's a long story. I'm like, well, tell me, what's going on? Con condense the fucking thing. What's happening here? And he said, well, this sleeping bag is magic. I'm like, oh, I'm like okay, all right. I'm, I've just walked into some fucking fucked up Twin Peaks bullshit. I don't know what, I don't know what's happened, but I'm in it for the long haul now, so fuck it, let's go. Let's just dive right in. I expected like midgets to come running out of the, but anyway, doesn't matter. The point is I was scared actually because it's a weird thing to see a very large man on the floor in a sleeping bag with two eyes going two different directions. And he said, this sleeping bag is magic. It keeps me invisible. And he said, she can't see me when I'm in my sleeping bag. I'm like, who can't see you? <laughs> He's like, and real paranoid too, real paranoid, your mother. And I'm like, this makes no fucking sense, but he really believed it. He believes, and I said, well, dad, I think she knows you live here because you were married. He's like, no, 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 no. When I'm in this bag, everything's okay. Okay, well, how do you argue with that? I said, well, why are you on the floor in the bag? Well, don't tell your mom. I'm like, okay. But I, I was at Long John Silver's and I was like, dad, he was not supposed to be at Long John Silver's. He had diabetes, he was overweight. I'm like, dad. He's like, I know, I know, I know. But I, I like that shrimp basket. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> He's like, and I fell down and I broke my back. So what the fuck? You don't call me, nobody tells me, oh, by the way, your father broke his back? And I said, are you paralyzed? Like, that was my first, and he's like, no, it's just a vertebrae, but it fucking hurts, so I have to sleep on the floor. I'm like, okay, this all is making sense to me. And he's like, so, I have this magic sleeping bag. I'm like, okay, okay, I can get past that. But I did say, like, why are you talking crazy? Like, I understand the broken back, and he's, and then, Ladies and gentlemen, I look around the room and I open the door a little more and he's like, don't, don't close the door. And I'm like, dad, no. And I see, I see on the nightstand a ginormous bottle of pills. Like, you know those jumbo, jumbo prescription bottle? And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, 
And he sees that I have them and I start rattling around. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't touch my pills. Don't touch my, I'm like, what are these? And he's like, you guys guessed it probably in your head. He's going towards this whole invisibility thing. He's like, those pills are the thing that make my magic sleeping bag work. I'm like, oh, so it's like you can't have one without the other apparently. And I'm like, dad, what is this? He's like, don't touch my pills. And I look and the dude has been taking methadone. Now, methadone is fucking heroin, if, if you don't know. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? And he's like, I just take what the doctor tells me to take. And I'm like, how much of this are you taking? And he's like, I just take what they, how much? And he says, I just take one pill every three hours, like they say on the bottle. And I hold that fucker up to the light. You know, it has his name, all that shit. And I'm like looking for the dosage, looking for the... And the dosage is one methadone pill every three days. My father is high on fucking heroin. And I'm like, was my life so bad in LA? Like, okay, so I think I'm fat and I, my guy doesn't love me anymore. He loves me, at least. He doesn't love me, love me. But this, this is some shit. I mean, this is some shit. So I'm like, Dad, you're overdosing on pain pills. And he's like, totally out of it. And then it struck me, even though he was fucked up and sky high on drugs, I actually could understand his weird drug-induced theory because my mom was a fucking asshole and everybody wanted to be invisible from her and I didn't blame him because she was mean to him and she would call him names you big fat lazy son of a bitch like that kind of stuff so if I lived with her I mean I was the fuck away thousands of miles but if I lived there I thought well maybe fuck it maybe I would do that too so I didn't really fault him because I got it but I couldn't have him on drugs. I mean, fuck that, no, not for Christmas. I mean, come on, <laughs> pull it together. So I said, Dad, tomorrow we're switching to Motrin. Like I took a stand. I was like, I'm taking these and I'm not giving them back. And, he was, and my father was asleep. He was like, <sighs> I'm like, oh my God, okay. That's the way it's gonna be. I still am wearing my coat, by the way. And I, <laughs> that as blue, puffy, one of those marshmallow jackets, a sad state of affairs. And I took the big, ginormous pill bottle and I went into my childhood bedroom. There I stood in my childhood bedroom with a bottle of basically heroin. And I thought about my life, <laughs> thought about my family and my mom. And I took one of those pills. <laughs> it <laughs> and because don't we all want to be fucking invisible now and again I mean come on okay Christmas came and went it was a disaster my dad fell asleep in the mashed potatoes my mom was a fucking asshole my sister was absent because you know she had a cool life somewhere and so I went back to Los Angeles and uh, on March 4th of 2006 I got a call that my father had overdosed and was in the ICU, back on a plane. 
got there, totally, liver shut down, coma. And here's the thing. I think people, right, they say they choose who they want to be with when they die. And he sure as fuck wasn't going to be with my mom, right? <laughs> so I got there, and I sat with him, and I said, I don't know if you can hear me, dude, but it's okay. You can go now because I can take care of myself. I had no idea if that was true. <laughs> but it seemed like the right thing to say. And then he died, just like that. And my life started turning around, so I didn't want to be invisible. I wanted to live and be seen, even if it was you know, even if it meant someone loving me, but not loving me, loving me, you know? I wanted to have a good life. Thank you. <laughs>